you can't really talk about heaven and hell and you can't really talk about reincarnation if you don't start with the beginning of un- re- reincarnation implies that we're talking about a soul being reincarnated so in order to understand that we need to understand first of all what is a soul where does a soul come from etc and the same thing heaven and hell obviously we understand that you cannot talk about heaven and hell if who is experiencing heaven and hell? What is experiencing heaven or hell? Right? Obviously, we're talking about the soul. We're not talking about physical. People may be feeling like they're experiencing hell or paradise down here in this world sometimes. Um, that's from a physical perspective. But when we talk about spiritually speaking, afterlife, once we die, we're obviously referring to our soul. So tonight, we're going to, having spoken about the fact that the soul is an extension of God, essentially, is, is a piece of godliness, and um, understanding this idea that we have a purpose, and we are not here by mistake. We're not here because a truck didn't run us over. We're not here because we didn't catch COVID. We're not here because we didn't catch cancer, not catch, catch cancer, we're not here because, we're not here by default, is my point. We're here because we need to be here, and we have a purpose, and only we can fulfill that purpose, and only we can achieve that purpose. And by the way, I'll just throw in, parenthetically, that this idea of, of the belief, the faith, and this concept that we're here for a purpose is from my conversations with people, and I'm talking now specifically about people that did not necessarily grow up observant, didn't grow up keeping Shabbat, didn't grow up keeping kosher, and at a later point in their life embraced that, sometimes you would think that maybe they had some kind of like epiphany, some kind of like um, life-changing moment that happened. They had some kind of major miracle. There actually are people like that. There's a student here at Binghamton that I know that just got to Binghamton and they're very into everything and they're coming to pray and they're very involved in everything and, and uh, they basically, they're, they're, one of their parents got COVID and was very, very sick and they made up that if their parent survives, they're going to change their life drastically and that's what happened. But by and large, most people you'll talk to that did not grow up with that, they didn't have any major miracle happen to them. God didn't come down from heaven and reveal himself to them. It's simply that they were Jewish, or in some cases they converted. They weren't Jewish, but they were looking for purpose and meaning in life. And they found that in in the word of God and in, in the will of God. So understanding that we have a purpose, understanding that we have a general purpose, which is to make the world a better place, and we have an individual purpose that each one of us have to fulfill brings us, and then the last point that we spoke about last week was understanding this idea that the soul on the one hand, is the soul lacking anything, Ellie? The soul is... It is imperfect? Yeah. The soul is imperfect? So I think the soul isn't lacking anything. You think the soul is not lacking anything? You think the soul is lacking something? Any other thoughts? No, we're talking about the soul now. We're talking about the soul. Is the soul lacking? You say the soul can't lack anything. Any other thoughts? 
It's perfect. So we discussed this idea that the soul, on the one hand, is not lacking anything because the soul is an extension of God. And just like God is not lacking anything, the soul is not lacking anything either. However, the soul can rise to a higher level when it comes down into this world. And that's something that it cannot do in heaven. It's exciting in heaven. The soul is complete. It's not lacking anything. But it's only by coming down into this world that it can rise to a higher level and reveal its potential. Okay. So now let's get into afterlife. What do you guys envision, by the way, when you think about afterlife? Jeremy, what do you envision? Has anybody here ever thought about afterlife? Let's, let's start with that. Let's start with, let's, let's start with that question. Addison. Yeah, I was kind of thinking something along the lines like clouds as well. Like, you know, <laughs> something like with the sky. Um, okay. Yeah. A lot of white. A lot of white. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah. Isn't it uh, supposed to be like like transcendence? Like you're supposed to be like, like there's no time or like space or whatever it is. It's just like it just is. Okay. But what happens? Well, you did, are we watching the latest TV show? Like. There is no time, there's no space, but what are we doing? Just hanging out? Are we studying? Are we riding on the clouds? What, are we on cloud nine? What, what is Gan Eden? What is Gan Eden like? Well, and, and what is that garden like? Are there a lot of roses there? What, 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 tulips? The more like mitzvah you do, the closer seat you get in like the level of like Gan Eden and Gan Eden. Like kind of, I guess, it's just like this perfect place. Okay. It's kind of like, I, I guess the way I would also think about it would be like, med, let's say like in Bereshit before the Kava ate the apple. So like that peacefulness, that whole way was before that. Like right. No sin, was. no suffering. Yeah. Okay. By the way, we're not going to get into this right now, but a lot of people confuse the world to come and afterlife with Mashiach. And like, what's going to happen when the Messiah comes? So, right now we're talking about afterlife, which is sometimes confused, uh, uh, confused one with the other. So, story is told about a man, a very wealthy man, and he was both a very learned rabbi and a very wealthy man. He was also a mystical person. And one day, he invited the entire community and he said he wants to host a meal in his home fit for the world to come. And he invited everyone. You heard the story, Jeremy? He invited the entire community over. Anyway, they come and they sit down and all the waiters are serving the most lavish type of meal you can imagine. One course after another course after another course after another course. And but the courses are only being served to him. 
So everyone's sitting around the table and he's eating a 20 course meal, if you can imagine something, and no one else is being served any food. And finally, they turn to him and they say, what did you pull us here for? To sit here and to watch you enjoy this 20 course meal? And he tells them, I told you, I'm inviting you to a meal fit for the world to come. In the world to come, there's no jealousy. There's no, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I, I could look at you, I could look at you enjoying your life. I could look, enjoying, look at you having the best time in the world. And I'm not thinking about myself for a split moment. There's no, there's no uh, challenges, there's no drama. There's no jealousy, there's no competition. You can see someone else and, 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 and be genuinely happy for them. So what, what, is, what does this mean, essentially? What does this actually mean? So let's, let's get into it a little bit. 4A. We're on 4A, guys, so page 2. This is a quote from the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, it's not an exact quote, but it's a paraphrasing from him. He says, there's no such thing as afterlife. Life does not end. It just continues in a higher form. So what am I saying about this story with this man with the 20-course meal? We have to begin to understand and appreciate that the story of our lives is one continuous story. And it doesn't end when we die. It continues when we die. And it's all part of the same Story in all parts that maybe a different episode, a different season, but it's the same episode. Does that make sense? Or it's, no, a, it's the, no, the opposite. Show. It's the same, it's the same show, show, but it's, a different, but it's a different episode or a different season. Thank you. Okay, you can tell that I don't have that much. I don't. I don't have a subscription to uh, Hulu or uh, Netflix or uh, any of these things. So. Thank you. Anyhow, um, so what, what did you say? It's the same show, but it's a different show, episode. A different episode. A different episode. Okay. It's the same story. And that's what we need to understand as the very basic first level. Please, guys, help yourself to more food. There's, there's really, there's plenty of food. And if the, the first pan is finished, then open up the small pan uh, right, outside, right behind it. Don't be shy. Okay, so... What does this mean, that, that really this is all one continuous story? What it means is that our experience that we have in, in, in the world to come is a direct consequence of what we did here in this world. So it's not a reward, but it's a consequence. We're very, we're used to thinking that everything is about reward and punishment. Or it's like a bribe. If you behave in shul, I'm going to give you a lollipop at the end. If you're quiet in shul, I'm going to give you a lollipop. That's a bribe. That's not a consequence. That is a reward. But the, the perspective that I am sharing here is that it's, it's just a... a, 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 a outcome of what, how we act and how we present ourselves and what we do down here in this world. On the rare occasion that the sun shines in Binghamton and you walk outside, right? Two people can walk out right into the glaring sun 
and they can have two different opposing experiences. One of them closes their eyes and, 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 and right away turns the other way. It's, 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 it's burning them. The other one stares right at it and loves it and is taking it in and is enjoying every moment of it with their eyes open. What's the difference between the two? This is not a complicated riddle, guys. What's the difference between the two? Two people walk out. So you're, you're going deep. I'm talking very basic, very, very basic, not even perspective. Two people walk out. You're getting too deep. That's already deeper. No. No, it's a very simple difference. One is wearing sunglasses and the other one isn't. It's not a joke. No, no, I'm trying to make a very simple point. If you're wearing sunglasses, then you look straight in the sun. And it becomes the most enjoyable thing ever because you want to enjoy that sunlight. And you want to take that in. And if you're not wearing sunglasses, it's the most painful experience one of the most painful experiences is looking at the sun with your eyes open. The difference is all in the sunglasses. So the same is true about us as we transition from episode one to episode two of our lives. We're the same person. It's the same story. But that experience is going to be dictated by what we do right here while we're physically here in this world in part A, in, in season one. What's Exactly. We may go to the world to come with sunglasses, we may not. And then it's going to be a pleasurable experience or it will be a very painful experience. There is a uh, saying, I'll say it in Hebrew and then I'll say it in English. And that saying is, there's a Mishnah that says, Da ma lemala mimach. Simply speaking, in English, what that means is da means no, ma means what? Lamala, who knows what lamala means? What is above is mimach. Da ma lamala mimach. The simple meaning is know what is above you. Referring to Hashem, referring to God. Da ma lamala mimach, know what is above you. Those of you who understand Hebrew will appreciate this even more. There is a Hasidic explanation on this. Mishnah that says, no, da, no. Male mala, what is going to happen to you when you go up, when you go to heaven, when you go up, is mimach, that is from your actions. You should know that what happens to you when you go to afterlife is mimach, is all dependent on you. 4b, Rabbi Yaakov said, this is a Mishnah from Pirkei Avot, this world is like an antechamber before the world to come. Prepare yourself in the antechamber so that you may enter the banquet hall. 4C, he, Rabbi Yaakov, used to say, one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world is better than all the life of the world to come. And one hour of bliss in this world, to, in the world to come, sorry, is better than all the life of this world. Guys, think about that for a minute. Read those two lines, please, again. One after another, and tell me your thoughts. Why is the afterlife projected as something that's like so much better than this life? Okay. Wait, but isn't this saying that like 
one hour of repentance and good deeds here is better than like up there? That's on the one hand. On the one hand, you're saying that one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world is better than the world to come. On the other hand, yes, Dylan? On the other hand, when you're in the world to come, you should enjoy the hour that you have, what you had previously means nothing. So it seems to be contradicting itself, right? On the one hand, we say, this world is like an antechamber before the world to come. Meaning, this is just, this is like the, I'm not going to say the pregame, because sometimes the pregame is more exciting than the game itself, right? So I have to watch what I say around here. But this world is like, whatever, it's like, it's like the lobby. It's like you're standing in the lobby, waiting to go in. That's what he says on the one hand, before the world to come, prepare yourself in the antechamber so that you may enter the banquet hall. In other words, the banquet hall is where it's all at. The world, the world to come, Olam Haba, that's where it's all at. But then he says, one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world is better than all the life of the world to come. So it seems to be like putting a different focus and emphasis in each one of these, of these verses. And these are two Mishnas, one after another. So what the answer is, the explanation is, that, again, it is all one continuation. So on the one hand, yes, once we get there, once we get to the world to come, once we enter that banquet hall, the antechamber is like nothing. It, it, it's like whatever, right? On the other hand, on the other hand, the antechamber is dictating the experience that we're going to have in the banquet hall. So you have to make it you have to make it worth. You have to make it. You got to make it. Uh, what's the word? You, gotta, you, have to, you have to. You have to. You have to make it. Like make it worth it. And prove yourself. You have to make it. Make the difference and make it. You have to make it. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to. You have, you have to do what you need to do here in this world. So yes, the world to come may be the banquet hall. But it's only here that you can dictate it. You gotta, you gotta, you only, you know, it's like you only have one try. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do your best because this is, this is your try. Okay. Let's move on to the funnest part, reincarnation, right? It's just always so uh, exciting thinking about the whole, the very phenomenon of reincarnation. You know, where was my soul reincarnated from? Was I in a body of a human or an animal? Where's my soul heading? But how does that even work? Because if my soul is going to be reincarnated, then where do I go to the world to come? What happens when Mashiach comes and we have the resurrection of the dead? How is one soul going to be in ten bodies? There's a lot of questions. And it's something that it has captured the imagination of people for a very long time, reincarnation. So the truth is, that certain Jewish perspectives, um, certain Jewish leaders throughout the years have shied away from discussing reincarnation. Either because they felt that we just, we don't know, and therefore why, why stick our head into and why crawl into a space that is just the unknown? Others felt that this is, you know, touching, sort of, like there are those that uh, said, 
let's shy away from Kabbalah, let's shy away from Jewish mysticism because it's sort of the, the secret, so we're not going to get involved. We're just going to do our thing and do Torah and mitzvahs, but we're not going to dig deep in there. Um, but about a few hundred years ago, about 500 years ago, so I'll, I'll just say very, very briefly, because we have a few minutes remaining, that the history of, the, of all of this conversation about understanding the deeper dimensions of the soul and a lot of this that we've been discussing, for many years it wasn't discussed, it wasn't talked about. Jews became a na- the Jewish people became a nation when the Torah was given 3,334 years ago. And they've been doing mitzvot ever since, and they've been doing what they needed to do, and they understood that they are Jews and that they have a soul, but what the soul is, how the soul works, all this conversation was something that was, was not discussed a lot. Then came along a great rabbi, who I'm sure many of you have heard of him, and his name was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Rajbi. He is buried in Miron, and, uh, and hundreds of thousands of Jews go to to visit his gravesite on his passing. Unfortunately, there was a big tragedy that happened there last year. And this rabbi came along and he authored what's known as sort of the Bible of Kabbalah, of Jewish mysticism, called the Book of the Zohar. And the Zohar has a lot of deep secrets of how the world was created, how God created the world, um, and the deeper dimension to virtually every mitzvah. You light Shabbat candles, you eat matzah, you sit in a sukkah, you shake a lulav and a trog, you wrap the fill and you give charity. What is the deeper dimension? What does that represent? What does that do? So for thousands of years, Jews were just doing the mitzvah because that's what God commanded them to do. And at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. You've got to shake that lulav. But what does the lulav represent? So if you know all the secrets, but you don't do the mitzvah, you haven't done the mitzvah. But it's nicer to have a deeper dimension and a deeper understanding. So he authored the Zohar. And that was studied by a select few people, but a lot of people didn't understand it. Then, about, I don't know, a thousand or so years later, maybe less, about 500 years ago, came along a great rabbi, his name was the Arizal, the Ari. He's buried in Sfat. Some of you may have been to his gravesite. I've been to Sfat. Okay. And he really brought these secrets to, to illuminate. And the reason why I'm giving you this whole quick historic background is because he, he brought out some of these discussions about what happens with our souls and this whole concept and discussion about reincarnation. So uh, let's take a look at, at what we can try to find hints and uh, references to reincarnation from the Torah. So the first we have is 5a. It says in the Torah, this is taken from Deuteronomy, let Reuven live and not die. Let Reuven live and not die. What does that mean, live and not die? If you're alive, then you're not dead, right? Why does it need to say, why does the verse need to say, live and not die? And Uncle says, he should merit the world to come directly and not have to die again as a result of being reincarnated. So this is the first reference that Unculus, who is Unculus? Let me explain. Unculus is one of the commentaries in the Torah, similar to Rashi. Unculus was many, many years uh, before um, Rashi. But Unculus is, is another commentator, and, and, and this is uh, how he translated this verse. 
So from here we see a little bit of a reference. Live and not die, meaning you shouldn't die again. Okay. In, in uh, 5b, this is a quote taken from the Tanya, which is a book that was authored by the first Chabad Rebbe about 250 years ago. And he explains as follows, based on the teachings of the Arizal. He says, 5b, the whole neshama, the divine soul in all of Israel is divided into 600,000 particular offshoots. These 600,000 particular souls, however, are roots. And each root soul differentiates into 600,000 sparks, each spark being one neshama. So, in other words, what is he saying? What the Arizal taught us was that essentially we all make up one central soul. Again, guys, bear with me, okay? Not bear with me. Bear with the concept. Meaning to say, this is hard for us to relate to because we're related, we, we are accustomed to physical matter. So, a physical matter, you can only take that, cut it up into pieces, and then you have what you have. A soul is not a physical matter, obviously. A soul is a godly, spiritual matter. So the laws of physics do not apply when we're talking about a soul. A soul is not a battery that you can take out of one car and put into another car. A soul is something divine. It's an extension of godliness. So what the Arizal says is that the whole soul of Israel is divided into 600,000 souls. Now, this, the number 600,000 we know is historically a central number in Judaism, right? There was several times that a census was taken of the, the Jews. This is not all the Jews, because there were three million Jews that were in the desert. But the men, specifically from age 20 to 60, when the census was taken, that number was came to 600,000. So 600,000 is this, this general number in Judaism that we have. So 600,000 times 600,000. Each one of those 600,000s are roots that then are split up into another 600,000. Guys, what is 600,000 times 600,000 quickly? Without Siri or Google? Josh is cheating. 3.6 E11. 3.6 E11. What is E11? E11 is 11 zeros. Okay. All right, thank you. So, page five, I'm sorry, number 5C, another, another quote from the Tanya. Every Jewish soul needs to be reincarnated many times in order to fulfill all 613 13 commandments of the Torah in thought, speech, and action. So one of the reasons why our soul needs to be reincarnated is because I'm not a Kohen, for example, right? I'm not a woman. There are certain mitzvahs I'll never be able to do. Also, I don't live in Israel. There are certain mitzvahs you can only do in Israel. So there is this idea, this, this, this concept in Jewish mysticism that in order for a soul to achieve all 613 mitzvahs, it must be reincarnated multiple times. Now you could get lucky and have your soul be in a body of a Kohen, but then there's certain mitzvahs that only women have obligation to do, and the same thing women are not obligated in a lot of mitzvahs that men have, and vice versa. Okay? 
5D. The sages, I want to just read the last two, uh, the last two citations and then we'll, then we'll discuss it and we'll take any, any other questions. The sages of the true wisdom also taught that in order to, per- to perfect itself, every soul must engage in all the parts of the Torah according to its capacity to comprehend and perceive. Any person with the potential to comprehend and perceive much, but due to indolence, comprehended and perceived only little, must reincarnate until he comprehends and perceives everything that his soul can comprehend and perceive in the knowledge of the Torah. This includes the pshat, simple meaning, the remez, hinted or alluded to, the drush, interpretive analytical meaning, and the sod, mystical meaning. Therefore, our sages declared, happy is he who arrives here to Ganeidin with his knowledge in hand, so that he will not have to reincarnate and descend again to this material world. So, um, this also will explain um, why repentance and, um, and forgiveness for sins is, is so important and so vital. Because some of our soul's experience and reincarnation, just like there's an aspect of reincarnation that relates to the mitzvot, the commandments, the traditions that we need to fulfill, sometimes a soul will need to come down into this world to repent for a sin that that soul committed in a previous reincarnation, in a previous body. Another reason why a soul may come down into this world may be not because of, of imperfection that that soul didn't, didn't achieve. By the way, when I say imperfection, I mean in what it can achieve here. Again, the soul is pure when it comes down from God because it's an extension of God. When we say imperfection, we mean in, in the service of God here in this world and what it can achieve in terms of the mitzvot. Sometimes a soul can come down into this world just to achieve a certain purpose that, that has to be done not necessarily because that soul needs to do it, but something that has to be done, and that soul was sent on a mission. We have a tradition that a soul does not come down more than three times into a body in this world. Okay? But it, could, it can, it is possible that it will come down into an animal. It will be reincarnated into the body of an animal, not the body of a human. Uh, 5e ever this is a quote taken from a book authored by the Rebbe Hayom Yom which is basically a compilation Hayom Yom means every day, the, from day to day and it's a compilation of little thoughts and messages every day there's another thought there 5e ever since God told our father Avram go from your land which we just had last week Parshat Lecha, and it is then written Avram kept traveling southward we have the beginning of the mystery of rectifying the sparks. By decree of divine providence, people travel to the place where the sparks that they must purify await their redemption. So what's the end game, guys? What's the, what's, what's the, what's the plan? What's the end? Huh? What's the end game of... What's, what's the plan for everyone, for all of humanity? What's the end? To get that... That's the individual plan, but what's the global... Return to our soul in the time of Mashiach, redemption. So we are here to, to, to reveal those sparks. That's what Avram was on a mission to do. 
We got to reveal those sparks wherever we go. Revealing the sparks means revealing the godly potential, making a blessing, revealing a deeper purpose. You each have an apartment, you have a bed, you have a couch, you have a table, you have clothes, you have cars. You have all these physical things. And by doing mitzvahs, by revealing all those things that you guys have, that we have, that I have, and, and revealing a, a deeper purpose and a, and a greater purpose, making a blessing, utilizing it for higher purpose, we are revealing the, 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 the potential godly sparks in those matters and bringing the world closer to the final stage of redemption of the messianic era of Mashiach. We hope the Mashiach will come before we finish that job because hopefully God is not waiting for all of us to finish gathering all those sparks of everything that we come in contact with. That's going to take a very, very long time. But what we know for certain is that every mitzvah that we do is bringing that moment closer. Um, I'll, I'll finish with one, one other point and then I'll finish with one anecdote slash story and we'll call it a night. And that is that um, we have to remember this idea that we all have a purpose and we're also all connected. That's also, I think, a very powerful idea. That we are all connected to, we are all six part of a root soul. So some of you sitting around the table may be part of the same root soul. You're part of the 600,000 family member of that root soul that's part of the original 600,000. But the idea is that we're all interconnected and we're all one, one complete unit, essentially. Um, and the, 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 the anecdote that I wanted to finish with is there is a woman who is severely handicapped, um, an incredible, amazing woman. She's married to a blind man, and she herself, she had polio when she was younger, a young baby, and as a result of that, she's tremendously handicapped. She was instrumental in, um, in getting mikvahs to be built in a way that women that are handicapped can also go to the mikveh. And it did not exist up until then. There was no possibility for a woman in a wheelchair to be able to go to the mikveh. She did a lot of things and she came to Binghamton twice over the last 35 years. She came to speak twice for Shabbat. We had to have uh, girls from Decker uh, in Decker school that were there like to help her constantly. She has a family, she has grandchildren, healthy, everything. Uh, she's an amazing woman. And she said something very powerful that I'll never forget that had a major, major impact on everyone that heard it that night at Chabad. She was here twice. And the first time, I, I don't remember, I was very young, but the second time was like seven, eight years ago. She said that there is an old saying in Yiddish that says that, I'll say it in Yiddish and then I'll say it in English, that a, that a Jew turns to God and says, I don't need to know what the farvus is, but I need to know that there is a farvus. Meaning, a Jew turns to God and says, God, I don't need to know what the reason is, but I need to know that there is a reason. And she said that that idea, that there's a reason for everything, there's a reason why we're here, where we are, we have a purpose, there's a deeper dimension, there's a, there's a purpose for everything, and there's a reason for everything, had a tremendous impact on her. Because living in her life, handicapped, and all the challenges that she went through, to go through that 
and to not believe and not really believe with all every fiber of her being that there is a purpose, there's something she has to achieve here in this world would have been very, very challenging. But knowing that she wasn't here by default and she's here for a reason gave her strength to keep going every single day to wake up and to understand I have a purpose, there's a reason why I'm here, how am I going to achieve that, how am I going to reveal that? Hashem should bless us all to be able to find those reasons, think, think about this, and, and, and again, I don't think we're, any of us are going to leave this room prophets. And I, I can't guarantee you that God's ever going to reveal himself to you individually, directly, personally, necessarily. Maybe, maybe no, maybe yes. But these are different ideas in, in, in Torah, Judaism, and in, in, in mysticism. And if it helps us apply some more meaning and purpose to our life and hopefully have, a different, have an impact and make a difference, then so be it.